What's up, Red Rocks Austin? Man, it feels good to be singing that song with some of you guys in this room. You look good with your masks on. And I want to welcome everybody that's watching online. Thank you for joining us. I'm continually grateful for technology. I don't know what we would have done 30 years ago had this all been going on. And I'm thankful that you can join us for church today. And I want to thank all of our media team, production, creative, worship, who put so much time and energy into making this happen, who have been carrying us through this pandemic, keeping us connected, doing church. So thank you guys for not just making church happen, but doing it with such excellence, creativity. We love you all. We're thankful for you. And today, I get to be back up here for the first time in a while. You can date this pandemic through my hair. I did, I, so this whole thing started, and I'm like, finally, it's time I just try to get a man bun. Why not, right? I'm married. My wife loves me unconditionally. Uh, I thought the awkward stage would be like two to three months. I was really wrong on that. I'm at, I feel like I'm getting into hockey hair right now. And it's not so much like compliments. It's more people just stating a fact like, oh, your hair's longer. Yes. And that's it. That's all they say. That's the whole thing. So that is true. I hope it doesn't distract or deter you from the gospel today because that's what we're here for. And thank you for journeying with me to trying out to have long hair. I'm afraid I'm going to get to the day where I'm like, I think I made it and I hate it but I'm gonna keep trying. So I'm gonna stop wasting your time. Let's talk about Jesus, because that's why you're here. That's why I'm here. We started a series last week called Explicit Jesus. And you might've heard that and thought, oh, here we go, the church being edgy to be edgy. We remember the 90s, and that's like our greatest fear that you would think that. But the, the point of this series is actually like, we're always raw and honest and gritty. When we talk about Jesus, when we get together, that's just who we are. But the point of this series is actually not being edgy to be edgy, it's about clarity. So this definition, Doug read it to you last week, explicit, stated clearly and in detail, leaving no room for confusion or doubt. So our idea is we have this God, this big God who is mysterious and his ways are not our ways and we don't understand a lot of the time. We've got questions, we've got doubts. And yet God has explicitly stated himself to mankind through Jesus. In sending Jesus, he has given us a clear picture of his character, of how he feels about things, his posture towards us, and his plan for us. And so when we have questions, whether it's about something we read, something we hear, something going on in life, we should always filter it through Jesus because he is the explicit representation of God to humanity. And so in this series, we're going to always have a blank and then Jesus talking about him and different parts of his character and who he is. And today, the title just, you, you already know it, but it's Church Boy Jesus, just like you guessed. I'm just kidding. It's a weird title for a message, Church Boy Jesus. Here is the definition of church boy from the Matat Weckenman Dictionary. Of or pertaining to a male figure who is passionate about building the body of believers, which describes Jesus. Church boy Jesus. We're in a time right now where we are saying all the time as Christians, this world needs Jesus desperately right now. And what that also means is that this world needs the church right now. But I think we might have some mixed feelings about those two things. We love Jesus. He's perfect. Of course, the world needs him, but does the world need the church? 
The church is flawed. The church is imperfect. But the reality is that the world needs the church right now. And, and I think that often it's our personal issues with the church that hold us back from being it. I think that we rally together and say, like, let's go be the church. But so often our posture towards the church is so far from that of Jesus that it deters us. That actually it's within the church, our own issues to, to have the posture of Jesus that stop us from actually being it. And to carry the message of Jesus, you've got to have the mindset of Jesus. And so I want to look at his posture towards the church today and ours and challenge you a little bit and where you're at when it comes to his church. So the first time Jesus really mentions the concept of the church is in Matthew 16, starting in verse 13. I'm going to read this to you. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do, you, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or hell, will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. I love how the message translates what he says about the church. A church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. Okay, on to verse 21. So Jesus is laying out the master plan right now. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Always a good call to rebuke Jesus. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And Jesus goes from there and starts talking about being disciples and what that looks like. Paolo, you can take off, man. I made a joke to you earlier that you should stay up here the whole time. And because I'm so sarcastic, I apologize if you thought I really meant that. Can we give it up for Paolo? Look at him go. He'll be back. I'm sorry. Um, we always say we're a church of imperfect people. That's the only reason I ever get up here, I promise you. Sorry, Pablo. All right, so Jesus has laid out his master plan. He does this a few times. The disciples never get it. But he's telling them, hey, here, here is the plan you've all been wondering about. All of humankind is wondering, what is God up to? Here's what's happening. He has sent his son. His son will be the perfect sacrifice. He will lay his life down to absorb all the sin of mankind, and he will walk out of a tomb three days later to give you eternal life. For anyone that would call on their, his name and believe in their heart that he is Lord, that he will say, hey, here's eternal life that I just went and got for you. And within that master plan, he mentions his church, that part of the plan is his church. Now, we have said this a thousand times in 2020. You're tired of hearing it. We are the church. A building is not the church. Jesus didn't die for buildings. He's not coming back for him. 
He's coming back for his church, which is us. The Greek word ekklesia means a people or a gathering. That's the word they would use for church, a people or a gathering. So Jesus is not saying, I'm coming to build an establishment. No, he's saying, I'm coming to build a body of believers. That's his church. Now, if you're like, yeah, we know, dude, we've heard that a million times. I just feel like we all have to keep saying it because it's so hard to remember and actually do that and be that and not look to a building or an establishment and think that's what it is. It's us, it's you, and it's me. And so we, we get from this that Jesus is saying, I'm building my people. And what we have to know from the very beginning about his posture is that he loves his church, loves it. It's described in the Bible, the church, as the bride of Christ. And maybe put romantic connotations aside for a second. What that's saying is that Jesus so passionately, unconditionally, sacrificially loves his church, loves us, loves you, and loves me. Now, when we say the world needs Jesus, we're like, yes, Jesus is awesome. I think at this point, people that don't believe in Jesus are like, bring him on. We need something. But when we say, hey, the world needs the church too. The world needs the church to be the church. I think all of our stomachs may turn a little bit because we have baggage with the church. Doug said it this way, the world hates on the church but still has a crush on Jesus. I'd say we, as so maybe outside, that might be the posture. I think inside the church, we love Jesus but not his church. And so we say... We hear messages, we get in here and we're like, let's be unified, let's go, we got to love, we got to serve, we got to get out there and be the church. And before you've left the parking lot, this is the conversation, what'd you think? Coffee wasn't great, chair wasn't super comfortable, could have used a little more air in there. I don't, I don't like the loud music, would rather go to a church that doesn't have loud music so I could complain about that. Don't know why we need all the lights and stuff. Really didn't like that guy's hair preaching. Distracting me the whole time. He looks terrible. Right? We do that. Not amening that. Gosh, it is good to see some of you guys again. I tell you what. But that's what we do. I'm guilty of that. Criticizing the church is like the easiest hobby in the world. We love to do it. And I think sometimes we feel like justified in doing so because that's what Jesus did, right? He got in the faces of the religious leaders. He was going after the church, right? No, that wasn't the church. Hadn't started yet. Jesus came and got in the face of an establishment of religion that was holding people back from a relationship with his father. That's, that's the face that he was getting into. He hadn't started building the church yet. He wasn't coming to break down the church. He was coming to build it. And so I'll, I'll talk about myself. I don't mean to just call you out, out for criticizing church. I, I'm sure you've never done that here. Never heard any of those. But I, okay, so we talk about the three of us. We went on this trip for a year. Years ago, it was transformative mission work. We're in the third world. And the first half of that trip, I was like the biggest church hater, specifically the Western church. So I'm seeing new perspective, church in a hut, on a dirt floor, all these things, and all the classic narratives. Oh, the church on that side of the world, they just don't get it. Selfish, inward, corrupt, scandalous, all the things that we all think with validity to those things. 
And I felt like the second half of that year, as I approached coming back into this world of Western church, that God gave me a gut check that may happen for you today if you're willing. And, and I felt like he asked me, hey, do you want to break my church down your whole life or do you want to build it? You're amazing at breaking it down. You could have a doctorate in that. But do you want to build it with me? And, and I love your opinions because that means you're passionate about it. So I'm not saying don't have opinions about the church. Don't just, don't just act like it's perfect. You're passionate about it. That's why you care. That's why you bring things up. But I felt like God challenged me and said, hey, do you, do you want to do that your whole life or do you want to build it? Because that's an invitation. And I know that you're 23 and you've traveled for a few months now and you've never worked at a church, but you perfectly know how one should operate. But I'd love if you would just join me in building my church. Because all those problems you see, they're only going to get fixed from the inside. All the issues, all the things that you feel like the church needs to wake up to, there's some messages to be preached. There's some conversations to be had, some groups to be led. So if you want to help build it, let's go. Or you can spend the rest of your life breaking it down week after week, church after church after church. And, and I, if I'm honest, like I realized in that time, and I always do this, I treat the church like I do my sports teams at times. So I'm a diehard Colorado Rockies fan. That's the response I expected. There's like 12 of us. And every year, like without fail, the Rockies start hot. They did it this year in this shortened season. And I've got four good friends who are diehard Rockies fans. So we're texting each other. Man, we're good this year. Look at our rotation. Our lineup is lethal. We could make some noise in the playoffs. And without fail, the Rockies always collapse. And guys, I'm sorry. I know you watch my messages. I know I'm your favorite pastor. I love you still, unconditionally. I hate to bash on you, but it's a sermon illustration. So the collapse happens a few weeks later. Our text, man, these guys, why do we let them do this to us? They are never going to figure it out, right? It was we when things were good, but it's them when it's not. And we do that with the church all the time. Somebody hears a great story. Let's tell, well, that's us. We're the church. That's us just being us. Then your friend doesn't like something about the church or sees something on Instagram. But, oh, yeah, that's, that's the church, isn't it? That's them. That's how they are. We do that. I do that. And the problem is it's just not the posture of Jesus towards his church. It's us. It's we. Now, Another thing that bothers me about the church is the whole premise in the first place. It's crazy. If you think about what Jesus did. He hung out with this group of guys for three years. They saw him preach. He showed them how to live. They're hanging out. He dies on the cross, pays for the sin of mankind, rises from the grave. And then he's like, okay, I'm going to get out of here. You guys go tell everybody, all right? Later, players. Can you imagine that? Like, that's the craziest idea. It, especially if you think about the group of guys that he's leaving it with. Let me read to you the last moment they spend together. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 6. Then they gathered around him, the disciples, and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. 
and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Okay. Love the Great Commission. Love the vision of what Jesus is doing here. All about it. Dedicated my life to it. I'm a systems guy. I like to know how things work or how they're going to work. And Jesus has left no manual on how the church should operate. He's left them the principles of, of loving God and loving their neighbor and the things he cares about. But there's no operations manual for the church. You got a picture that the disciples are all standing there and Jesus is starting to float up into the sky or something. And they're like, wait, 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 Jesus, before you go, what, what's the cutoff age for baptism? Well, how, what's a good service length? Like 35 minutes for the sermon. How many songs should we do? Jesus, give us like a glass limit on how much wine to drink at weddings. What if some people want the music to be loud? Is that okay? What if someday there's technology? Like, is that okay to use that with church? And what if somebody watches church from their house? Does that count? Jesus, please, please don't leave. We got some questions for you. What if one day... This church called Red Rocks Church sends these three guys to Austin, Texas, and we're just worried they're not the most qualified. And Jesus is like, this is going to be a good one. Like, this is crazy for Jesus to do this. So either Jesus doomed this project from the beginning, or he is God and he will build his church. So I'm going to show you a video in a second. And it just shows the growth of the church through the last 2,000 years. And I've got to say up front, I didn't make this video and it shows like other empires or religions and their growth and things. This isn't about a competition. I'm not trying to talk about anybody else. I just want you to visually see the growth of this church that started with this group of guys in this moment to the point that we're on the other side of the world talking about it and billions of other people are. So if we can start rolling that. Um, I, I also want to say when it comes to this video, that I'm not ignorant of the fact that through history, there have been a lot of dark moments for the church. That some of this spread, the way it happened, would make our skin crawl. I understand that this is a very imperfect history of growth. And I think sometimes we get so focused on that that we forget that there are so many more stories of human beings who sacrificed, who pooled together to do whatever it takes so that the person over there could know the good news of Jesus. The messengers that he sent, this small group that just said, okay, well, we, we don't have the operations manual, but we've got the savior of the world and his message, so let's go tell everybody. Okay, now we're getting into 1,200, 1,300. All kinds of things are happening in the world. There's persecution. There's all of the political crisis you could ever imagine. There's boundaries, there's borders, there's racism, there's everything. It's us, it's them. The church is hunted. The church is prolific. The church is corrupt. There's all these things going on. And yet, as we approach present day, a small group of guys who watched Jesus ascend to heaven that were filled with his spirit spread the message of the savior of mankind to the ends of the earth and are continuing to do so as we're doing together this weekend. And so I know that that's not all pretty, how that happened. But what I also see is that Jesus has built his church 
and will continue to do so. And that points me to two things that I think Jesus knows that we've got to get comfortable with. And the first one is that Jesus knew that his church would not be perfect. He knew that. He was aware of that. I don't know why this is how Jesus has chosen to take his message to the world. I don't. I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have chosen my friends to take the most important thing human beings could ever know to the ends of the earth. Wouldn't have put them in charge. This is what Jesus has done. His spirit has worked through imperfect people, and he knew that his church would not be perfect. We know that because he says, on this rock, to Peter, whose name means rock, I will build my church. He picks out the guy who's probably the least qualified in the group. Peter hasn't even denied him yet. And he goes, watch what I can do. This guy can lead the charge. This guy can lead this group of people. I will build my church through anybody who's willing. Because the other thing that Jesus knew is that his church would not be stopped. His church would not be stopped, and we just saw that. We continue to see it. And so that gets me fired up. I hope it gets you fired up of what we are a part of. We can get so lost in, in coffee cups and seats and how something sounds or disagreeing on one thing or another, and we forget that we have been invited into the greatest story that the universe shall ever know the story of the savior of mankind, that we have been invited to build that, to build that body of believers. And if we're gonna go do that collectively and be the church, then I think that we each individually have to check our own heart posture towards it. I think we've gotta just have that gut check. And so I'm gonna ask you some questions. And you may not like thinking about some of them. You may not like me after this but I ask that you would humbly consider where you stand when it comes to the church. And I wanna say up front that the things that have happened that were wrong, the ways that the church has been misused and abused people, Jesus grieves for those things. He doesn't sweep it under the rug and say, oh, they're my people, they can do whatever they want. No, Jesus wants more love and more peace. He wants unity, he wants it to happen in a beautiful way and it doesn't always, but he's grieved when it doesn't. It doesn't, this doesn't minimize or diminish what the church may have done to you. Now, my first question, some people spend their whole lives church hopping forever. Church to church to church. They didn't have this, didn't like this, didn't like this. And, and I wonder if you're looking for perfection that Jesus never promised. And in doing so, you're letting it stop you from getting to build his church. And maybe you're the common denominator in the equation. Maybe you have put this impossible task in front of the church to be perfect and check every box that you have, and the church just isn't going to do that. Jesus will. Your relationship with him, he is perfect, but his church will not be. Which brings me to a question I have had to ask myself a lot. Is church about you and your mind? Does this all happen for you and it stops there? Or does this all happen so that we can get together and know Jesus more and that it would spur us on to go be his people out there and build his church. For some of you, this is, you're not gonna like this question, but my prayer and hope is that it will free you in the way that it has been freeing me. Have you appointed yourself to be the church's watchdog and Jesus never asked you to do that? Do you spend more time criticizing churches that you don't give to, serve at, go to, even live near 
than you do praying that his church would be built? Have you made a hobby of just watching on Instagram and watching sermons and picking apart everything? When was the last time you walked out of church and had something good to say? When was the last time you walked out and said, okay, I don't like that thing. Maybe I can be part of the solution. Maybe it's time to stop critiquing and start creating. And I hope that frees you. Because I think a lot of times we're like, but Jesus, they're doing that. And he's like, hey, I'll worry about that. It's my church. Been building it for 2,000 years. I've got this under control even when it doesn't feel like it. You worry about what you're building. I'll deal with them. There's a story where the disciples come to Jesus and they're like, hey, there were some guys over there casting out demons in your name. But we don't worry. We told them to stop because they aren't part of our group. And Jesus looks at him and goes, hey, 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 don't stop them. If they're not against us, they're for us. Don't worry about them. Let them do their thing. You guys do your thing. I think the church needs to hear that. Again, for maybe activists like me in this room that get frustrated with the church, has the church become your scapegoat for all the world's problems that you can't solve? Do you see things out there and constantly go, come on, church, this shouldn't have ever happened. This shouldn't be going on in the world. You guys go fix it. Justified and angry because there's things that bother us happening in the world. But I can't tell you the difference between somebody who comes to me as a, a pastor or representative of the church and says, you know, I don't see the church doing their job here. You guys better go figure that out. And somebody who comes and says, this really bothers me that the world is, is dealing with this right now, that this is going on, that people are doing this to each other. So I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to lead in this way. Will you partner with me? Can we do this together? Could we be unified in this? This question is a tough question that I think a lot of you will have to face that I'm about to ask. And I just want to reiterate that moving forward with your relationship in the church, trying to adjust your posture to be that of Jesus, I'm not minimizing what you've gone through at the hands of the church. But I want to ask you, do you need to forgive the church? I have a feeling a lot of people, if they were honest, would say yes. Do you need to forgive this imperfect body of believers for the way that they imperfectly hurt you? And that can range from small things all the way to people who have experienced serious abuse, deep pain, rejection, betrayal at the hands of the church of the one who had that all happen to him from his church. And maybe that is a conversation that has to be had. Maybe it's counseling for some people and we'd love to help you start walking that road. There's bitterness, there's unforgiveness, there's pain. And what I worry is that you're justified to hold on to that for the rest of your life, but it will hold you back from ever getting to be a part of building the church. And Jesus doesn't want you to be robbed of that. Do you need to forgive the church? Sometimes it's, it's kind of like the person that can't enjoy the healthy relationship they're in now because they're always so focused on their unhealthy ex. They can't just enjoy and, and build where they're at because they, they can't get past the person back then, the place back then. And I just don't think that's the life that Jesus wants for you. And so as a representative of the church, this will not fix the problem. This will not take the pain away, but maybe it could be a first step 
and you seeking to heal and to love the church again, or maybe for the first time, let me apologize to you on behalf of the church. I'm not going to treat the church like the Colorado Rockies. It's not them when it comes to the stuff that's happening in your life. It's us. It's my family. And so I'm so, so, so sorry for the ways that the church has hurt you. I am so sorry that we have imperfectly represented Jesus to you. So many people are trying their hardest and trying and trying and doing it imperfectly. And yeah, there's some people who have manipulated and worked their way and, and abused and misused. And on behalf of even them, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that happened to you. I hate it. And I also love you enough and believe in you enough that I'll apologize and hope that maybe it will start a walk towards healing and loving the church, being a part of building it with us. Because another question I have for you is, do you know that we need you? We, the church, we need you. We need your gifts. We need your talents. We need your passions. And this all isn't on behalf of just Red Rock Austin. I'm talking about the big church. It needs you. It is a body of imperfect people who in our imperfections are constantly seeking to make Jesus look more beautiful to the world. And we need you to help us do that because he uniquely crafted you to do so. Do you know that we need you? Do you know if you feel unqualified that we still need you? No matter what happened last night or five years ago, or whatever, we still need you. We need your stories of brokenness. We need your brokenness because it's going to speak to somebody else. We need your story of church hurt that was healed and allowed you to walk back into a place and say, I'm going to build this. I'm not going to let that hold me back anymore. Somebody needs to hear that from you so they can do the same. And so the question is, are you ready to build? I think right now the church needs to be asked that because it's been very easy to just kind of separate in this time. Wonder whatever's going to happen now. The church hasn't stopped in 2020. It hasn't stopped in 2,000 years. And it's not going to. Jesus is going to keep building it. So for some of you that are part of our church family, is it time to get back? Is it time to start building again? Are you ready to build? I think a lot of times we forget what that said about the, the gates of hell won't be able to keep it out. Meaning that the church goes into the dark places. Sometimes we're like a football team that just puts the defense out on the field and tries to build our wall and defend ourselves and defend ourselves. And Jesus is saying, no, play some offense forever. The gates of hell will not stop you from getting past them, so go. Ryan and I were talking, he said, we gotta stop playing defense against a gate. Build this thing, take territory with love, with unity, with sacrifice, with a desire to create. Now, how do we do that? The Acts 2 church, those guys, the Holy Spirit, boom, and it started. And we get this passage in Acts 2. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily 
those who were being saved daily. What, what did they do? They got together like this. They talked about Jesus. They sought to know him more. They met in homes, groups. They had dinner together. They pushed each other forward. They helped each other heal. They prayed, they gave, they sacrificed, and Jesus started building through them. And he's doing it here. And for however long Jesus chooses to use this church to build his kingdom, we will do everything in our power to do so, and we are asking you to be with us in that journey. But if this is not the place for you, find the flavor that works for you, plant yourself there, and build it. We will always point you in the direction of other churches in town. We will point you to give to other churches if this isn't your home church and you don't want to give. Go give to Awaken Church. Go give to Celebration Church. Go give to Gateway Church. Go give somewhere. Go support somewhere. Go build somewhere. Go serve somewhere. Go build in a place where the method works for you, maybe imperfectly, probably. Go build somewhere where the message is Jesus. And your posture individually will help build the body collectively. So Jesus, I just pray right now that you would gut check us when it comes to our mindset and relationship with your church. I pray for healing, for journeys to start to forgive your church for the ways that we have misrepresented you, Jesus. We repent of that. And I pray in a time when this world so desperately needs to see you that, that we would each individually, we would turn to loving your church and building it and so that collectively the world would see you through us. Would you empower us? Would you shake people awake that are far? We love you, Jesus, and we thank you that you love us sacrificially, unconditionally, that you've chosen to use us to build your kingdom to be the messengers to the ends of the earth and that your church, while imperfect, will not be stopped. In Jesus' name, amen.